0: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com family. Welcome to a new episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune, and we've got the band back together with Ben Gessling and Michael Rand. Hey, guys. Hello.
1: Andrew, how you doing?
0: Doing well, doing well. It's OTAs. I'm in the best shape of my life. I understand Whoa. this. I understand the scheme a lot better. Um, I'm faster. I'm stronger. You know, I'm doing all the things that the Vikings coaches and players say their players are doing. And it's it's feeling great. It's feeling great.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it, it is that time of year where you should be in the best shape of your life. So
0: I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're following suit with some of the other players. Got the beach body. Absolutely. I, I, really, <laughs> I really don't um all right well let's we got a lot to talk about here in terms of the storylines for the vikings they will head into minicamp next week it's the first technically mandatory sessions although guys with money on the line will tell you it's been mandatory the whole time in terms of these otas we'll talk Not about all them. of the guys with money on the line will tell you it's been
2: mandatory the whole time though <laughs> thank you we're referencing and we're teasing it and we'll talk about it, of course uh may view it as there's more money on the line if i don't show up
0: Thank you. I was just going to say that one guy, as you said, who does have money on the line, uh, yeah, has not showed up. We will talk about Daniel Hunter. We'll talk about his situation, leverage, what we expect out of next week, and really what the push come to shove is really going to be, which is training camp um, at the end of July. We got a lot to talk about about corners, the quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins spoke for the first time since the Vikings drafted Kellen Mond. We'll get to his comments Uh, We'll talk about what the Vikings are doing defensively in terms of what the coaches are saying about this scheme and what they need to change. It's not all about the personnel and getting them back healthy. The coaches are trying to do some things differently, too, or at least testing out to see if they want to do things differently Um, in what's really been a decades-old scheme under Mike Zimmer and Andre Patterson. And then we will get to some of your questions out of the mailbag. Um, Let's start off, though, with the quarterbacks, I think. With Kirk Cousins speaking yesterday, Ben, you wrote about this. He said he wants to be an open book for Kellen Mond. And perhaps more importantly, as we know, across the border in Wisconsin, Kirk said communication was great about the Vikings drafting a quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers obviously says otherwise with Green Bay. Uh, Different situations for many different reasons. But Ben, what stood out to you about what Kirk had to say? And what can you say about just the process of the Vikings bringing in an heir apparent, maybe, to Kirk Cousins? Well... The, the,
2: the communication was great, but I also think based on conversations I've had that had they made a good faith effort to trade up and get Justin Fields, in other words, make an offer that would have been accepted. And we know both from our own reporting and what the Carolina Panthers so helpfully released a couple of weeks ago that they didn't really make a, an offer that allowed them to do anything other than get laughed out of the room by Carolina. If they had traded for Justin Fields, I think we'd be in a different situation right now. I I really think there would have been an effort from Kirk Cousins' people to say, all right, you've made your intentions clear here. You've traded up into the top 10 to take a quarterback. You don't do that if you don't think that Justin Fields is your guy. So let's cut the cord. After June 1st, they would have been able to trade Kirk Cousins with only a $10 million cap charge because you would have had somebody else take on that base salary and you'd have those two signing bonus operations that you can split between this year and next year so your quarterback charges go way down and then you move forward but I don't know if they would have traded him I I know that would have been a conversation had Justin Fields been the guy here so the communication is great I think in part because it went the way it did and some of the things we've heard were that Not everybody in the building was as high on Justin Fields as it may kind of sound on the outside. So there's that. There's the fact that Kellen Mond isn't ready yet. There's the fact that Kellen Mond hasn't been getting reps that would lead anybody to think that there's a competition here. So I think cousins is in probably as secure of a spot as you can be for a team that drafted a guy that might be his replacement there. There's enough. I think there are enough layers between him and telling mod at this point. And at this point is the operative phrase, but I think there are enough layers between the two of them at this point that he can feel pretty good about saying, I, I'd own the guy for now. And, uh, we'll play it out and see where it goes from
1: there.
0: Yeah. Mike. So it's a controversy TBD, right?
1: Sure. It's a controversy, controversy TBD. I, I love the contrast though. I even talked about that on, on daily delivery. use some of the, the, the cousins audio of him talking about, you know, just, yeah. Welcoming in with open arms. Talking about Rex Grossman, that wasn't necessarily the ringing endorsement of uh, learning that I was looking for, but you know, a veteran making the point that that Rex Grossman taught him a lot when he was a young quarterback in Washington. And he's tried to do the same for, for other young guys, uh, including Church, you Mond.
2: In the NFL, have Brian or locker on the other side of the ball and Devin Hester helps too.
1: Yes. Yeah. He made it to the Super Bowl. He won a lot of playoff games, but it wasn't necessarily all about the play of Rex Grossman. I don't, think
2: did i wouldn't say he made it to a super bowl so much as he made it to the opening act for prince in miami but that's all i really remember about that. it was a terrible super bowl yeah it was won against the colts but uh yeah yeah the uh, the, the most memorable thing from that game is the halftime show
1: i think the be- the best thing that cousin said was that he's like you talked about with andre patterson too he's like basically going back and watching everything he's ever done and this is just um that's that's very on brand for cousins he's very much you know, student of the game, maybe in his head, almost a little too much kind of like program quarter programming himself as a quarterback to do the things that he thinks he's supposed to do, trying to eliminate the things he, he doesn't want to do things like that. He can't, doesn't always work that way, but I get it. It, I I like the, the commitment to try to get better does stand in contrast to uh, someone who spent the off season, not at, his team facility and trying to host a trivia show. So I don't know.
0: I thought it was interesting. And Ben, you could shed more light on this too. I thought it was interesting that he had talked about Kirk yesterday that he, he referenced Tom Brady. He had said that uh, on a Tom Brady documentary, he had noticed that Tom talked about going back and watching himself and feeling like, Hey, I'm still not a very good quarterback. I still need to improve. He also threw some shade about how it was too long. Oh, did did he? I missed that <laughs> part. You said something about it. at some point in the long documentary.
2: It was uh, like, okay, let's, let's keep moving here. But hey,
0: it's it's no Michael Jordan last dance ten parter. It wasn't no. quite <laughs> not
2: quite that. But yeah, I, Kirk Kirk did a little bit of a, a TLDR on it. I think <laughs> it was kind of hinting at that a little bit. <laughs>
0: Well, and he had mentioned, too, that he had the whole thing set up at his house. And for the first time, he decided to get all the volumes of the film of, of him over from Washington to Minnesota, setting it up so that even when he's away from TCO and, and Egan, he can sit down and watch this stuff and just evaluate himself. Um, I guess, Ben, what do you have to say to yeah him, him being a guy who's in his own head too much already? And now he's deciding to do that.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's always the the question with him, right? I mean, it, it's this idea of, yeah, he studies, he, he has answers in theory for everything, but sometimes it just comes down to, I have to go out and make something happen on the fly. I mean, you know, the last time we saw a quarterback on the field, it was Patrick Mahomes, you know, in midair, throwing balls 30 yards down the field, trying to just make something happen out of desperation when his offensive line had fallen apart, everybody was hurt and he's trying to pull out a super bowl. So there are times at that position where it requires those types of acts, those types of movements and not everything is going to be kind of this optimized solution. So I mean, yes, I, I think it's, I think it's useful. I think if, if he thinks it's useful, certainly it's it's his prerogative to do what he thinks is going to make him better as a player, but yeah, it did feel very, um, very much like the the thing you would expect Kirk to do. I and I don't know what the solution is. He's not going to become, you know, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or, you know, uh, whoever you know. Even Kellen Mond. I mean, guys that guys that run around a lot and they can make more plays with their feet. You know, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do that over the years. He's not going to be a guy that probably succeeds that much at playing off schedule, and he's tried some of that but
0: uh yeah i mean it, it felt pretty similar to a lot of the approaches i would expect him to use and it makes sense for him to reference tom brady because tom brady the quintessential pocket passer who has yes. never been accused of being mobile in his entire career and is one of the great the greatest of all time so it makes a whole lot of sense for that
1: well that's interesting too i mean that's the dichotomy with mond right that's the dimension that he brings that cousins just doesn't bring and at that's kind of what they're gonna have to decide at a certain point is you know i I don't know if there's ever going to become a point where Kellen Mond is just flat out a better passing quarterback than than Kirk Cousins. You know, Kirk Cousins can make all the throws. You give him the time, you give him kind of the right, you know, the right schedule, you know, get him, you know, get him into second and reasonable, he's gonna make the throws you need as long as he's got the protection. But Kellen Mond brings you kind of that opportunity of there's gonna be some ugly plays, maybe where he doesn't make the right throw or the ball isn't where it's supposed to be, but he's also gonna be able to extend plays in a certain way that Kirk Cousins just doesn't is do the Vikings get to a point where they say that's the kind of quarterback we want and need in 2021
0: what you say he's, what do you think I said <laughs> he's a track guy Track guy. I, didn't hear you, I didn't hear you so yeah what I always say about <laughs> that's, true, that's
1: true fair enough fair enough
0: Um, Kirk wasn't the only one going back and watching his old film. We've heard Kellen Mond say before he stepped foot on the Vikings practice field, that the first thing he did was he went back and watched Kirk's film in the Vikings offense to try to emulate what has made him so successful. And we can't forget that for all the faults and the turnovers, the Vikings had the fourth ranked offense last year. They moved the ball quite a bit, had an had the most explosive passing game outside of Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans last year in terms of yards per pass. So there's a lot that Kellen Mond can learn and Kirk said all the right things as far as I want to be an open book. Uh, parenthetically, I don't want to be a Ben Roethlisberger um, want to go ahead and help this young kid kind of grow and develop. But it's like you said, Ben, there's so many layers between him and Mond right now in terms of him event. Mond maybe superseding Kirk down the road that Kirk might know it's going to take the full two years of Kirk's remaining contract for that to even happen. And so that that'll be interesting to watch moving forward. But, It's not really anything that's going to pressure Kirk right now because it's not Justin Fields, right? Yeah. I mean,
2: I I think it would just be a different situation. Like I say, you'd either be talking about a trade or if he was here, if if that was what we were watching every day and we're charting every rep of what's Justin Fields doing, is he playing with the twos, is he getting any run with the ones, uh, that would be the entire discussion. I mean, everything we'd be talking about would be that. And this would have a very different feel. And I think it's it it's it is easier to be an open book when it's not probably a, a clear and present danger to you know Kirk's a Kirk's a reader I I don't know if he's reading a lot of Tom Clancy but you know he may get the reference um, I'm sure he's a big listener to the show too um, but yeah I think it's a different story if Justin Fields is here and he's probably still. Doing what he can to to be accessible, but the dynamic would just it would there would be a tension, I think, to the whole thing that there's probably not in the same way right now. I, I know that a lot of people in his corner looked at the Kellen Mond thing and said, This is okay. I mean, would they need a backup quarterback? He'll he'll take some time to develop. He's not the type of kid that's gonna come in and, and cause a fuss and say, I demand, I need to be starting right away. He's a guy that is willing to come in and learn. He's a guy that that seems to have a, a pretty good head on his shoulders. So it doesn't feel like a, a huge threat. And, and you're right, Andrew, it may, it may not be the kind of thing that becomes a threat to him before his contract is up anyway, given the fact that we haven't seen Kellen Mon get a ton of reps early. We'll see how it plays out in training camp, but he's not going to be the starter, which means he's not going to be getting all of that kind of work in training camp with, And even into the season with the ones so the the number of quality reps you're really going to have to evaluate probably aren't going to be enough that you can sit there and say, yeah, we know exactly what we have provided cousins stays healthy and provided they continue to play in a lot of games where they're not getting blown out, which tends to be the way they play, which also then means that you need your starting quarterback in the
0: game. Yeah, and the Vikings coaching staff has said as such, I think Mike Zimmer last time we talked to him said, Kellen's doing great mentally in terms of the grasping of the offense and all that stuff, but he's got a long way to go. And they're not giving him a lot of physical reps and team to really show himself in terms of how far he's grown. A lot of the work they're doing with him individually is the quarterback's coach, Andrew Janoco taking him off to the side after practice, pulling some receivers along with him and getting his own individual work there and not really putting him at the whims of the rest of the offense. Because if you have a rookie quarterback who's getting – second or even maybe first team reps um, that, that's going to affect everybody else. You're trying to get ready. That's going to affect the offensive line. That's going to affect the wide receivers running routes. If the balls are not placed where, you know, Kirk cousins is going to have the right footwork to then get the hitch and then get the ball out right on time, all that kind of technical, boring stuff like that, that really affects it if your quarterback is taking the wrong steps and he's in the wrong place and he's throwing in the wrong place. So it helps us to bring everybody else along too. Um, I think that's an important
2: point because cousins said as much yesterday, he talked quite a bit about in this process of looking back at his old film of the, the development process for him was kind of learning what certain receivers wanted to have happen. And he talked about, you know, kind of this, this thing of, he said, I'll just read the quote. He said, you, uh That was one thing that kind of jumped out to me, which just jumps out as the players you play with. You realize that the way Pierre Garçon ran a route or Deshaun Jackson ran a route, that affects you in the way that you play and the way that you think. And then you come to a new team and you're trying to tell Adam Thielen to run a route that way. And he's saying, no, I don't do it that way. So just the process of then learning those players and saying, "Okay," and understanding that you have to be aware of what your teammates do well and try to put them in those positions to be successful. I could probably go on for a, a while about different pieces I've learned. And then he kind of trails off and says, "I've t- I've taken some fun cut ups now. I see the smirks, and I know well, what you're." Thinking of. I was
1: I was pantomiming the, yep, yep. the cousins thing, where he's like running cool. clinic week so seventeen. The was the end of the twenty eighteen season, right? Where he's trying to, yes. try, yeah, when they 17. lost to the Bears and they frustrated. and He's saying, "Adam, yeah, this is what I want you to do this way." And Adam's like, yeah."
2: As I as I I had a conversation with Kirk leading into the twenty nineteen season about that, and he goes hey, you saw what he did to Bill Belichick a couple weeks before, so I guess I was in good company. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, yeah, yeah I, that stuck out to me when he said that too. But I, I do think it's instructive in the sense that, it, as he's talked about it, learning your receivers and adjusting what you do to succeed with those receivers is important. And for Callum Mond right now, if he's on the field with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and they expect things done a certain way, it's going to be, well, why are we wasting our time with this? We need to get ready too. So, and, you know, Kirk works on these multi-layered things. There may be a little bit of a reminder there of, Hey, uh, institutional knowledge and time with your receivers, which I have is important. So um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things to, to dissect there, but I think it's, it's an interesting point that you bring up about kind of just that, that ability to kind of, kind of contextualize things based on what your receivers want.
0: Yeah, and, and in terms of getting everybody else ready, getting the defense ready too, because it's not too hard if you're a new corner for the Vikings trying to get ready if you're defending passes that are constantly off the mark um, or not in rhythm with what it should be. Uh, speaking of that, the Vikings defense, we have a lot to talk about there. And I think we should start uh, with the biggest headline for the Vikings whole offseason in Daniel Hunter. In terms of him not being here, he has not shown up to any of the OTAs. It is unclear whether or not he's going to show up to mandatory minicamp next week. Just to set the table on that, it is mandatory. The team can fine people for not showing up. However, it is up to team discretion because they can go ahead and just wave it as an excused absence like you would with you know, a teacher that you were on good grounds with back in the day. Um, with Daniel Hunter, that could happen with him. If the Vikings don't want to make a stink out of it, they just want to say, all right, you don't want to show up. Um, we will wait till training camp because that's when it is not up to the team. They, can, they will and have to find a guy 50 grand every day for not showing up. And then I was also reading something from Joel Corey, the former agent who works over at CBS Sports. He pointed out that in the new CBA, teams can also start recouping former signing bonus money if you miss up to six plus days of training camp. That, though, is up to the team's discretion. So there's ways they can start pulling money out of Daniil's pocket come end of July and August doesn't necessarily happen next week even though it's going to make all the headlines if daniel does not show up to minicamp um mike i want to start with you though just how big of a deal is it from your perspective on daniel hunter not being here considering this guy's coming off a neck surgery and then i want to get to ben because we just we just got done talking to the uh, H- assistant head coach andre patterson about the situation as well
1: i mean it's definitely a big deal he you know he he shows his impact both in being there and not being there, right? Like the, the defense from 2019 to 2020, it's a huge difference. And not just him, obviously you had injuries other places. You had you know, the secondary not having the depth or experience that it had before, but he's obviously a huge piece of that defense. What's weird about this is you don't necessarily, you don't normally see this kind of, whether it's a holdout, however you want to term it, when a guy's coming off a year where he didn't play. Like you, you've got this situation where it's like, it's not like Daniil Hunter is forgotten, but he didn't play last year. So you're kind of used to not having Daniil Hunter. You don't like not having Daniil Hunter, but you're used to not having him. So it's this kind of weird space where it, it feels like, okay, well, this is just more like 2020 again. that You're not going to have, you, you potentially might not have Daniil Hunter or how this is going to play out. So I'm trying to kind of get a sense for what he what he ultimately wants out of this. Does he want to go somewhere else or does he want to get paid here? Uh, I, that that's, I guess that's the biggest question. And can the Vikings afford to pay him in a, you know, and as Ben has pointed out many times, a flat cap year where they're, they're kind of pinched up against the, you know, you can do creative things, obviously push money forward and things like that. But what does he want ultimately? And, and how do you think the team can keep him happy at this point?
2: Yeah. Ben, what do you say to that? I am, uh... I was just gonna say I'm I'm pulling up some cap data here because I, I saw the where's the money Brzezinski bad signal as you started talking. <laughs> it's like, I better have all these numbers we'll, ready because we're gonna we'll, get into we'll, it here.
1: We're we'll definitely uh, gonna do a segment like that next week on Daily Delivery. By the okay, way, okay, i, will, we'll, I will, we'll hit I will, the sounder there, but you you can we can get into it here too. I'd like to now.
2: Okay, um, so they so which part of this do we want to discuss first?
1: Well, I, I'm what what I want to know first of all from your standpoint is what do you think Daniel Hunter wants? And yeah. then maybe you can get into, can the Vikings give him what he wants if what he wants is to stay here but be paid no. more?
2: Yeah, so my sense of things, I, I think there are two issues here. One is certainly the contract. I, I, But I do think there is some lingering stuff, some lingering resentment from how things were handled last year. I, I, I don't think it was entirely... Uh, well-received that he decided to have the season-ending surgery and not come back and play in uh, the remainder of 2020. From what I've been told, that was an issue. Um, I think there's some, there's some feelings that need to get mended there. Um, It was interesting this morning. I asked Andre Patterson, what have your conversations with Daniel Hunter been like and do you expect him here next week? You know, it's the question you have to ask. And, and he just, you know, he could take it a number of different ways. And he's just said, uh, I'll, I'll keep that between me and D and that's all I'm going to say. So the, the sense I've gotten has been that Vikings people aren't terribly optimistic that he will show up next week based on probably more of the contract stuff at this point. But the other piece of this is yes, he wants a new deal or his camp at least wants a new deal. So that he is paid in line with the better pass rushers in the league to to reflect the fact that he has been one of the better pass rushers in the league. The problem he has, of course, is there are three years left on the deal he signed in 2018, which was probably below market for what he could have gotten and certainly is below market now. And he's coming off of a neck injury. So he's not operating with the best set of leverage. But this, and and I've talked to people with the Vikings a little bit about this, and there's a little bit of, feeling of scratching their heads just saying if you come in this team pays everybody I mean they ripped up Adam Thielen's deal with two years left when Adam Thielen had very little leverage they have shown they will do things like that they did it with Everson Griffin They did it with John Sullivan back in the day in in spots where it was hey let's get ahead of this because we like you we expect you're going to be here and there's probably some cost certainty for them as they plan ahead but They will do some of those things if it's a player that they like, and they've had a good relationship with the Neil Hunter pretty much the whole way through. So there is that piece of things that I think leads them to scratch their heads a little bit about how he's playing this or possibly how he's being advised to play it. As far as the financial piece, they're up to about $13.5 million or so of cap space at the moment. If you wanted to add to Hunter's 2021 deal, you could find a way to do it to bump his number up from 17.1 million this year. The, the thing they'd have to get a little bit creative with though, and I won't, we don't need to get too deep into the numbers, but they pushed a lot of money into next year already such that over the cap estimates them having a 14 and a half million dollar set of cap room for next year. So they're, they're already fairly tight up against it and nobody expects i think that the cap is going to go skyrocketing up we've heard kind of some things about the ceiling being 208 million next year so it's not going to be that all this new tv money comes in and saves the vikings from having all of these deals that they have to work out so you probably would up it this year and then try to be a little bit creative with it next year and then say all this money's coming down the road and we could we could backload some things so there are ways to do it they'd have to kind of Navigate that 2022 cap picture a little bit, I think, but uh, you got to probably see him. You probably got to feel like you're confident in his health and um, he's got to feel good about his relationship with the team. So there are some things to work through here, I think.
0: Yeah. And if you're, if you're the team, the biggest thing is just, we got to see you like um, we can, you know, go ahead and we can like your Instagram videos and we can listen to your trainers and say you're, you're doing great. But like, it's different from the Vikings trainers, actually seeing him getting the physicals done, getting the med checks done, seeing how that neck is, has healed. And from what we've seen from Daniel and from what we've heard, he's doing workouts. He's still doing things smartly to manage and not overwork his spine because obviously it was surgically operated on seven months ago. Um, but you're not going to pay a guy without him walking through that door and showing you he's healthy. And so getting him in the building and as Mike had alluded to earlier, they already know what life is like without Daniel Hunter. They, they saw it all of last year and how awful it was for their pass rush a franchise, low 23 sacks. So, uh, what point are you necessarily making by not showing up here in uh, the leverage thing? It was such a bad deal. And I've, I know there's been like, I think Josina Anderson put something out there from a team source about defending the deal that he had signed. Well, of course they're going to defend it because it's a great deal for great the deal team. For them. Yeah, and, and I get it. He had, it was only playing off one year as a starter, but he was a phenomenal rotation player the year before that. It was two years of great top-tier production to the point where I think only one or two other pass rushers had put together more sacks and back-to-back years before he signed that deal. And then if you're looking at the horizon like any smart agent should have, you would have seen that, oh, th- this market's going to keep going up. And if I hold out, then that deal that I'm going to make down the road is going to be that much bigger. And he didn't. He decided to go with the team-friendly deal. He signed for an APY, an average per year, that was underneath Everson Griffin. He did yeah, all the things that Stephon it Diggs did. I mean, it yeah, was kind yeah. of before Stephon Diggs did he did all the things that, that a team player would do. And then after a neck injury, he's probably realizing, why did I do that? You know, I'm worth a lot more and my time here in the NFL is not guaranteed for anybody. And so I think there's just a lot of reasons why now his, his kind of mindset would change, but it is, as you mentioned, Ben, with with the team's probably wondering like, why don't you just show up? We'll have you walk through these drills. We just want to see that you're healthy. And, and also maybe another wrinkle to this is, NFL teams don't like to break precedent. You had mentioned Adam Thielen's deal. that I believe he had two years left on that deal. Ripping up a contract with three years left on it is a whole new precedent. That is completely a different thing, yes. And so I do wonder if if there's part of the team and just saying, look, come back, play this year, show us you're healthy. And then next year we have set that precedent that with two years left on a deal, we will rip it up and pay a guy. Um, so there's that standoff. And, in, and with the leverage, push is going to come to shove really in training camp. When the team has no choice, 50 grand a day will start flowing out of his pocket um, if he decides not to show up. And so if you're the Vikings, you're probably just going to call his bluff and say, if if you're not going to get a deal done before he shows up to your building, you're going to maybe call his bluff and just say, all right, well, we'll talk when you come to training camp because we can't imagine anybody wanting to hold out that much during camp. And it's not like Aaron Rodgers where he could just walk away from the game. This guy's in the prime of his career. He's in the prime of his earning power. And at some point he might realize that showing up is is probably his best option because he really doesn't have many other options. Um, One
1: thing to remember about 2022 cap too, not to get geeky on it, but they're going to, whatever they're at right now, it's going to change either with a Kirk Cousins trade or a restructure, right? Like they're going to get some money there at some point. He's not going to play 2022 at $45 million, is he?
2: We wouldn't think, I mean, I'm sure they don't want him to um what choice do you have this is this is the thing there's a little bit of a sophie's choice element to this because you have that one there you have hunter uh adam Thielen's deal is the other one i would keep an eye on but that becomes tricky with the um the the fact that everybody loves adam Thielen. um (laughs) so there are a few there that you're going to have to figure out and then you've got a bunch of dead money that you have to keep on your cap from guys like Anthony Barr, uh, I think there's some money from Riley Reef yet. I think there's some money from Kyle Rudolph, so there's some of that stuff down the road. And you're, I mean, you're not, re- you're not going to have to do this yet. But Justin Jefferson is heading into year three in 2022, so I mean, as they do their three-year budgeting, they are going to start budgeting for the Justin Jefferson contract, which is going to be
0: expensive. Uh, in a couple of years. And speaking of expensive, Brian O'Neill is, needs one right now. Yes, he, he needs right. he, need, he needs one this summer, and that has to eat up cap space. Based on the fact that he's only at two million on the rookie deal right now, and you know you can do things like Dalvin Cooks, where you keep it at the original cap and tack on the later years, and they can make it work. But um, anyway, in terms of cap allocations, money they've spent, the biggest one most recently is Bashad Breeland. They brought him in on a one-year deal. Uh, let's talk about what that means for this cornerback group, because it has been very unsettled. It has been evolving. We have seen the only constants in the starting lineup have been the, the newcomers. And I say that in quotes with Mackenzie Alexander because he's just returning, but it's Mackenzie in the slot. It's Patrick Peterson on the outside. They play three what cornerbacks. Reason? They play three cornerbacks predominantly on this defense. And number three might be the guy they just brought in. And Bashad Breland, former Chiefs starter, Uh, He was honest and candid and pretty gregarious, actually, as far as NFL players go in terms of saying, I I had my heart set on going back to Kansas City. He showed up to the Vikings facility at the end of May for a visit. It took him two weeks to sign, though, until the Vikings made their best offer that he eventually ended up signing. But he wanted that offer to come from Kansas City. He wanted to return to there. He doesn't. And so he gives the Vikings a lot of experience on the outside where we presumed it was going to be Cameron Dansler. We presumed yeah. it was going to be one of these young guys stepping in. Well, the issue with the Vikings is they wanted Cameron Dansler to become uh, more durable. They wanted him to build up his body. They wanted him to show that this spring. And it's been the exact opposite. He's had his right leg wrapped. He hasn't participated in any team drills that we've seen in three open practices this spring. And then before that third open practice yesterday, the Vikings decided to add basically the guy that might replace him in the starting lineup. So they're, the two starting rookies from last year and Gladney and Dantzler for completely different reasons, they have basically said with these moves, we don't want to have to count on you for 2021. Um, Where, where does that leave their current cornerback situation? As far as you guys could tell.
1: Well, I mean, from my perspective, they're, they're putting themselves in a a much better position than last year, but it's, it's kind of odd. I mean, it's almost like an overcorrection where they realized last year they were way too young and they were depending way too much on Dantzler and Gladney. Um, you know, they lost, basically they're starting their three best corners from the year before. And, you know, they'd certainly regressed, but, you know, we're talking about Rhodes, uh, Trey Waynes and, and Alexander, right? So, you know, they, they, they hit, hit the reset button, go young, and they get exposed. And so now it's like, well, we still got these two guys. You, you're, they're probably thinking about their futures you know, still as, as, a, as long-term, you know, viability, but they're saying, well, they're just throwing body after body on this problem. Cause you can never, you, as much as we make fun of it, you, you really can't have too many good capable corners. I mean, it, it's in this game and you know, you would ideally like to have at least five guys that you like at that position, uh, because injuries are going to happen because teams are going to spread you out and make you play three or four at a time. And you got to have guys that you can trust.
0: Ben, just one more just one more or just four more or whatever they've done like every I
1: mean, day. They add a new one. I mean, it yeah. seems like,
2: yeah, it's been, it's been, I think kind of a, not an indictment of the the approach from last year, but I think a realization that that can't be assumed. It will work again. I mean, you can't go in thinking that everybody we drafted last year is just going to get that much better. And we're going to be fine. I, I think if they left themselves in that boat again, that's probably a fireable offense. I mean, you know, the the last time a coach got cleaned out of here, and I was just having this conversation with somebody um, the other day, but the last time a coach got cleaned out of here, that cornerback room and the lack of depth in it was a main culprit. And some of that was because they decided to cut Antoine Winfield in 2013, but they went into the season with Chris Cook, the ill-fated Josh Robinson in the slot experiment. Uh, Xavier Rhodes was miscast as basically a cover two corner. And then AJ Jefferson was the fourth corner until he got arrested for domestic abuse allegations that I think November, they had a couple guys get arrested, but that defense was, as bad as any we've seen other than last year. So if you go in this year and say, ah, we're just going to have everybody get better and we're going to be fine. We've seen that movie. That movie is how Mike Zimmer got his job. So I think there's reason to think that everybody over there said we can't afford to have this cornerback group be that bad again. And we we haven't heard from the owners. So we don't really have a concrete sense of, how much anybody has to win this year to keep their job. But I think if you do the math and they're bad again, and they're they're it's two years in a row and it's this kind of thing where things start to turn and this body of work that the Wills have talked about doesn't start to look as good. Then you, you could see things, you know, changing. So I think if that is going to be one of the reasons why a team could go South and it certainly is, and we've seen it, uh, both last year and in what ultimately cost Leslie Frazier his job. It makes all the sense in the world to give yourself enough insurance policies there to, to try to put together a workable secondary.
0: Yeah. And the Vikings and that Alexander signing, it was, which happened before Jeff Gladney's arrest is basically might be the smartest move of the off season. And cause they had no idea they were going to be without Jeff Gladney potentially this year, part of this year, whatever it ends up being.
2: And the, um, but the offer also
0: came early. I mean,
2: they, they yeah. put that offer out there a couple of weeks before Alexander signed it. I think we reported it. Um, it. It was quite, there was quite a ways between when we reported the offer and when he actually signed it. So, and it was before, like you say, it was before the Jeff Gladney arrest, which tells you their evaluation of their group there was not just based on,
0: Hey, we don't know if we're going to have Jeff
2: Gladney. It was, even if we have him, we're not sure.
0: Yeah. So not only did they jump on the chance to bring in Patrick Peterson. Um, yeah. they, they, jump on the chance to try to bring back McKenzie Alexander as well and do so. And he's going to be the slot corner. And you see what it looked like Wednesday during the open OTA, the third one to media. Uh, Alexander wasn't there. Jeff Gladdy obviously has not been here throughout the entire OTA session uh, or spring. And we see Harrison hand a second year corner as their starting nickel. He's a guy who's just been learning the position this off season, shadowing McKenzie, trying to become that guy who could be in a pinch Um, the one who steps in the replacement, the reserve there, and it's, their depth is just striking. And you see why they bring in Ty Smith. who was a reserve for the the Titans, uh, one of the veterans they signed in this latest group, why they bring in Bashad Breland, because they just don't have a lot of options. If Patrick Peterson were to go down, if Mackenzie Alexander were to go down, the depth is about just as thin as it was before, especially when Cameron Dancer is not even healthy enough to get on the field in these non-padded practices. Um, and we're going to have to probably wait with Bashab Breland coming off shoulder surgery. Um, they might have to wait until training camp to see their starting secondary together. And we hear so much about how important communication is in that secondary, being able to be on the same page. It's not like they're going to totally redo their coverages where it's just all right, you got this guy, I, I, I got that guy all the time. They're going to have to adjust. The motions are going to force them to adjust things. Uh, Anthony Harris is not there anymore, so you have different voices coming from the back end with Xavier Woods at safety. Um, that whole group has not played together and probably won't until training camp. And that is going to be one of the biggest question marks going into the regular season opener is how ready are they and how good is this going to look? Cause even with the guys you expect to be good, Patrick Peterson had a pretty rough couple years at the end in Arizona. What's he going to look like? Is McKenzie going to seamlessly step back into that role? And then how is the new safety opposite Harrison Smith going to look? Um, we see some of the young guys, miles Dorn, and Cameron them at safety. They they're starting to mix him, them in with the ones a little bit during practices. You can tell they're trying to get them a little more ready just in case they got to break glass in case of emergency and bring one of those guys in for Harrison Smith or Xavier Woods at safety. Cause depth is also very thin there. Interesting to hear Harrison Smith's thoughts on all this. I mean, that that's a guy we haven't heard from
2: for a while and, uh, it can be pretty candid, when he wants to be, I I would be very curious to hear what uh, the safety is thinking as he heads into his age 32 season uh, in a contract year.
0: Yeah. A lot of
2: different parts around.
0: A lot. All right. Well, let's get to some Vikings questions here before we break the podcast. We've got uh, a good handful here in the mailbag. And I think we should start with, I think this is Ben's buddy, Joel asking (laughs) about who he has two questions, basically, or a, a question and just something he wants addressed. Who will the next free agent be that the Vikings sign? And also please address to fans of the show that Mike Rand, Randball is an imposter. Anybody who claims to be a taco connoisseur and goes to taco John's needs to be exposed. Mike, I need you Listen, to address, address the second. One
2: clarification before he gets going. This is a different Joel than my oh, friend okay. typically asks us very intricate football questions. Sorry. May have some intricate taco takes as well, but, uh, <laughs> this is, this is a different level of, uh, in-depth analysis here no no less important. but no uh,
1: the, the, the taco question so taco john's is more of a like a, a guilty pleasure comfort food than it is like i think they're the greatest tacos in the world yeah. let's, let's get that straight I, I like a good you know I, I i like all the i love a lot of places in the twin cities where you can get like the traditional taco um you know i just i like maya over in northeast i like a lot of places so if we're talking about like the pure taco yes there's a lot of better places but i love taco john's because it's just become it became part of my ritual you know up until about 15 months ago you know we go there almost every tuesday in the skyway apparently that one's opening up again probably in september for all of you taco john's enthusiasts uh, I've, I've i've got it on the on the twitter machine they told me that so it's Can more of a comfort food anything throw thing. us an ad what's that get them to throw us an ad we give them i should try yeah that'd be a good sponsor. show that'd be a good sponsor now we talk we do talk about them a lot on the show um, but yeah, so Joel, to 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 address that, it, it is it is not like one of my one of the greatest tacos ever made. It's more of a comfort for me to have the Taco Johns.
2: That's totally fair. I mean, there is this is like you know burgers. There there are different right. classifications of fast food burgers. You have your like Five Guys, Culver's, higher end type thing, and then you have your like bad McDonald's, Burger King, greasy. We just need something to get the job done. Kind of, class.
1: I guess I know who we're not going to have an ad from.
2: Well, <laughs> they, you know, I'm, I'm they have value, is what I'm yes, saying. Yes, it, I, agree. Different, I agree. It's a different tool for a hundred percent, but uh, you know, you, you got your Taco John's Taco Bell probably is, is the comparison, so
0: yeah, it, it's yeah. a different class of taco. It is. It is. Um, what about the
1: free agent question? That's a good one, too. Who, who else might they sign?
0: I, I'll throw one name out there that we keep he kind of that in there. Very the leader of that question he did. Um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense that they would eventually bring Geno Atkins in. And I had seen reported that Geno Atkins is going to visit the Cowboys reportedly. That's going to be his first free agent visit here. But um, if he's healthy, if the, if the Vikings feel good about it, I don't see why they wouldn't bring him in because they need interior pass rush. And a guy who I think is already 34 you could extend his career by just making him a situational pass rush. Look, they do not need I'm him done. to – yeah, they don't need him to be a run stopper. They, that's why they signed two nose tackles to play their starting defensive tackles on first and second down. The big question is who is going to be that interior pass rush presence that they haven't had since Sheldon Richardson. Are they going to have to continue to manufacture that with their linebackers, with their defensive ends? Or do you bring in a guy like Geno, whom my, every time Mike Zimmer brings up the prototypical standard stalwart at defensive tackle, he mentions Geno Atkins every single time. So we know Mike Zimmer thinks very highly of this guy. And I know it's going to be maybe maybe be a little difficult to convince the front office to give him what he wants. But if Gino's going to go anywhere for a little less money, I don't see why it wouldn't be Minnesota.
1: Uh, just because of the rigors of time, too, we're running out of, former Bengals that Mike Zimmer can add to this team (laughs) like the fact someone who played for Mike Zimmer would have would have had to have been in the league in 2013 uh, if it was a former Bengal so just that opportunity alone I like that idea
0: they have Paul Gunther on staff now so they extend the former Bengals Bengals excuse me through Paul Gunther's tenure there which I think was ended in 2018 or 17 or something like that yeah there's a little more time I mean Jones last year also
2: gave him a little bit of, of leeway but there's still enough connections there that, uh, and there's like the Raiders players that were there with Paul Gunther too, so you can kind of still, Zim has options, but the, the pure uncut
0: Bengals from the <laughs> you are, yeah, is getting a little, a uh, little hard to get. And Geno's just, he's the cream of the crop as far as Zimmer's concerned of his former defenders there in Cincinnati. It was, it was like Terrence Newman and Geno Atkins, like those two Michael, guys.
2: All the flirtations with Michael Johnson never came to fruition, so. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe those D linemen are the ones that got away. Carlos yeah, Dunlap's
0: never been here, so. that's, that's true. Um, all right, well, we got a question here from Nathan. Wants to know has it ever been disclosed how Daniel Hunter injured his neck in the first place? Um, I, what I remember is, and and this is just coming from the Vikings coaching staff. I remember Mike Zimmer talked about how they went back and looked at the film uh, practice and saw something. And the only quote he would give us, the only thing he'd say on the record is basically that it could have happened to anybody. It was basically a freak accident, something that happened at a non-con, this was before they even put pads on in training camp. And they had mentioned it was a practice injury. They didn't even know about it until they went back and like basically studied the Zabruder film to see how he did it in some kind of drill. And that Daniel woke up and thought he had just slept on his neck wrong. And so they didn't even do any kind of scanning until later in training camp when an MRI had revealed that, oh, this is a, a herniated disc, nerve issues, all that kind of stuff. So Ben, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that's at least what came out from the Vikings of how he injured his neck. Yes. Tweak. It's
2: a tweak. <laughs> yes, that the, the tweak was the, the famous uh, uh, description of it. I, It's one of those that, I will say this, they have had issues with that body part before where the initial diagnosis, they thought it wasn't that big of a deal and it was revealed later to be much Bigger concern than they they initially thought it was once they did more testing. Uh, that player in question is now on the Kansas City Chiefs roster um, after an offseason trade. That, from the little bit I've heard, is probably worth keeping in mind.
0: Yeah. And so the tweak, the tweak of the neck is how he initially injured it. Like I said, the Vikings. uh that long.
2: Wasn't that the, uh, the phrase? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, he thought he slept on it wrong, but then they went back, looked at the film, and saw it was a non-contact practice injury that. He as, him sleeping? That's weird. As, as Zimmer said, could have happened to anybody. Is how he had phrased it back then. I hope not. I mean, they, they track everything, but I hope not. It's kind of that they track him sleeping. They do have certain sponsorships with certain mattresses, so you never know. That's true. Um, <laughs> number source. We need to get on this. All right. Let's, let's talk to, let's get a question here from John before we get the chicken fingers statement. John throws out just a basic, do the Vikings get to 11 wins? Mike Rand, let's say you,
1: that's a lot. Um, you know, we did the whole schedule came out optimism thing. I think 11 is a lot 11 and six easier to parse than 11 and five. Obviously when you got an extra game to play with, I kind of think they're more in that nine to 10 range. So I'm going to say, no, I I I think, I think 10 is attainable looking at their schedule. If, if, if the defense is, you know, more in that, you know, top 12 range, if they have a bounce back and if their special teams aren't a complete disaster, um, always a big if. but I think, I think 11 is a, is a little bit far to go.
0: Yeah, Ben, especially when they don't know who their kicker is at this point. And, you know, they always love to win those three score or three, excuse me, three point games. One do. score games.
2: And uh, three point games hurt them quite a bit last year or one point games as it were. Yeah, um, yeah given the schedule, too, it, and the, the road trips you have in front of you, especially in November, 11 feels like a lot. I mean, because there, there are certain teams that are going to come back to the pack probably that are. That are good that were good last year that you figure maybe aren't gonna be quite as good. The Browns, I suppose, would be a team that some people put in that class. I don't know that I agree. I think the Browns have a chance to be awfully good again. But if you don't believe in Baker Mayfield, then maybe that's one. But there's games on the on the schedule that I look at and we can say pretty confidently they're gonna to be tough matchups. Like going to Baltimore. Um, I think Seattle in week three, even though it's at home, is a is a tough matchup, just given the fact they've never beaten Russell Wilson. Uh, I think the Bears probably late in the season a couple of times is going to be difficult. So there's there's enough of those. And then the West Coast trip, San Francisco, I think is going to be better. I think that's a tough trip. San, uh, San Diego should be in San Diego, L.A. Um, yeah, some of those that we kind of know, I think, are going to be difficult matchups. You could maybe quibble on whether we know about the Chargers. But I think there's enough in there that saying they're going to win 11 of these things off the bat is is a hard statement to make.
0: Yeah, and even the secondary opening up with Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, you're going to find out quick where that cornerback group is at. Uh, Mike, why don't you give us the Chicken Fingers Statement of the Week?
1: Good way to end. I am Ziggy Wilf, says Chicken wings, chicken Finger 69, uh, parentheses. By the way, I'm not Ziggy Wilf, as far as you know, <laughs> and I hire the three of you as my new Vikings management triumvirate, uh, I like that. I give you one goal, get Aaron Rodgers on the Vikings roster as quickly as possible. Please lay out your plan step-by-step step to reach this goal. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. It, it. It's gotta be, it's gotta be the far plan, right? Cause there's no way that he goes directly from green Bay to Minnesota. So it's kind of gotta be the end around where you ship him out. You hope green Bay, hope this, hope this falls apart fast. The Green Bay ends up shipping him off to an AFC team like Denver that, for whatever reason, things don't work out in Denver and that in a year or two, he winds up here. That That's the only logical way this could happen.
2: Like Denver, where there are several members of the front office that may be friendly with the Vikings? Yes. So, yes. yeah, if you want a conspiracy theory, that's the one. That he goes to Denver and then... Who's, who's
1: pulling the trigger on trades now? George Payton. George Payton. But, but why, would, why would Denver give up someone like that? I mean, unless it was a disaster well, there. Yeah. So. It would
2: have to be one of those where, I mean, the, the way Favre did it was with retirements to get his way out. But, yeah, I mean, it, it'd have to be a couple of years down the road, I guess. Like if Denver decided, okay, we want to move on from him too, and he's still useful, I, it's hard to see that scenario necessarily working. It, mm-hmm. It's probably the – he retires, they release him. He says, Okay, now I'm going to come back and, and stick it where Brett Favre stuck it.
0: Well, it's that's a difficult path, too, even to imagine, because I think if you retire, the team still retains your rights through your current contract, right?
2: They do. And so they'd have they to have release him. which, and maybe you figure they've learned their lesson from that. That yeah. Mark Murphy was there the last time around, but it, it would, it's probably similar to the far thing. We trade him. He retires from that team. That team releases him, and then he can come back.
1: I look forward to uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love at US Bank Stadium <laughs> to start the twenty twenty three season. They, they just,
2: a, uh, a Twins one game playoff,
1: <laughs> right? Like like they, except they would be in a different ballpark.
2: Different parts, days. yes, but uh, they, the town could have the same electricity it did. That's uh, back then. I was I think it was in D.C. when that happened, but yeah.
0: What about a quicker path for Aaron Rodgers to Minnesota, where Rick Spielman works something out with George Payton, where they basically—and this is unbeknownst to Green Bay and and Brian Gutekunst—where they Green Bay trades him to Denver, and Denver is under the assumption that we're just going to offload Rodgers to the Vikings for Daniel Hunter, a bevy of picks, all this stuff, because Rodgers would want to come straight to Minnesota, right, to stick it to Green Bay. What about Kirk Cousins in this scenario? Hey, you know, you you just, just put him in a cornfield. Somewhere. You just figure yeah, it out. And <laughs> mock mine, and then you got like Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers on the roster at the same That'd time. Be great. Just figure it out. I, look, That'd Denver's Denver. Denver still wouldn't have a quarterback, right? Yeah, so maybe da- you send Kirk Cousins with De- uh, Daniel Hunter with whatever. You basically tell Big Fangio and George Payton take what you want. And <laughs> you outside, outside first, of Eddie, Justin, have all our quarterbacks. Daniel short. Hunter, Kirk Cousins, and three first round picks. Three first-round picks, maybe. Um, I'm trying to think of any other. You know, it's Eric Kendricks. Eric whatever, just take it. We're going to get Rogers here, and then boom, Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers,
1: 2021.
0: Wow, I like it. <laughs> you're, you are you're the you're the chicken fingers is definitely putting you in charge. Oh, I playing franchise mode on Madden. Right, <laughs> yeah. that's a little bit too much fantasy football. But you know what? Hey, it's fun. And, and I see no problems with that offer. Make it work, Rick. Make the call. Maybe you should get off the podcast.